0: They have their loved one in assisted living or a memory care unit, and just kind of helping them come up with creative ideas to increase quality of life, safety around the home, just implementing different strategies to really just improve their current situation. So I've always had this love for caring for those with dementia, and I just, I just know that I can make such a difference. So I was like, why don't I just create my own consulting company and just do this?
1: yeah you sound- i'm
2: assuming he'll tell us he probably checked the audio i turn myself up so loud on my own equipment <laughs> that it sounds like i need to get talk closer but i think i'm all right <sighs> yeah i
0: just wanted to like chill back are
2: we are we
1: good to go whenever okay yeah, awesome
0: cool
2: all right we're recording cool <laughs> well good uh i usually do an intro but I, to be honest i kind of like just rolling into it um sounds like so yeah. travis mary <laughs> thanks for jumping on Thanks, Thanks for, for having, having us. us yeah, <laughs> We're in Austin and we're doing this a little bit differently. This is a, in a professional studio, you know, usually I'm doing this with my own equipment on the road somewhere, but this is great, dude. Big time. You, you really cool. we, We've arrived. We finally made it. <laughs> well, and this is, you, this is like your second home. You're doing a, a podcast, uh, else, or probably in the same room. Yeah. It, actually in the
1: same room. I was actually in this chair last weekend. We recorded a couple. Um, yeah. I'm a uh, part of a podcast here in Austin, uh, we talk about uh, new and emerging trends in plastic surgery. There is a uh, plastic surgeon, a uh, PA or physician assistant that specializes in dermatology and facial aesthetics, and then me. Um, I bring the anesthesia, you know, uh, standpoint and uh, and everything. To I was gonna say the the anesthesia knowledge but uh, that's giving me too much credit um, <laughs> um
2: no i listened to it and i mean there's a lot that goes into that there there
1: is man there well, is well you are
0: celebrity anesthesia that,
2: <laughs> that self proclaimed <laughs> yes yeah and and why is he the celebrity <laughs> mary why don't you handle that yeah that's that's you
0: well it all started <laughs> how did it start Trav? you tell everybody
1: um so we started the podcast and, uh, the, the surgeon that's on the podcast, he is kind of an Insta Instagram famous surgeon. His name is Johnny Franco. He is at Austin plastic surgeon. If you guys want to check him out before I uh, say that, you know, disclaimer, there is a, uh, some of the stuff on the, on his Instagram is a bit graphic. So just you know know your audience, know where you're at, uh, maybe not the best thing to open on a plane, sit next to somebody you don't know, but,
2: um, I will special. totally back you up on that because I did click on his instagram and my wife walked by and it's <laughs> i mean it's really really graphic it, it and, is and she graphic. was she was like what are you looking at i'm like i'm not really sure <laughs> uh but i'm probably gonna exit because i don't need to see all the plastic surgery <laughs> right
1: yeah he specializes in uh in body contouring and uh, breast augmentation and breast lifts and uh Brazilian butt lifts. That's kind of his bread and butter. So, uh, you're going to see a lot of butts on his Instagram, but anyway, um, I, I digress. Um, when we first started our podcast, which is called plastic surgery untold, got to give ourselves a shameless plug here. Um, we started it and, uh, when we got going, you know, the joke in the beginning was that I was the celebrity husband because my wife who was sitting right next to you, right next to me, Mary, um, her Instagram handle is at
2: your trendy therapist. Another and she, shameless
0: plug. Another right there. shameless
2: plug. But that's why we're here. <laughs> that, that we are here true. to talk about both of y'all's, like your your family companies. Yeah. I guess is what we'll just call them because you guys have you have a podcast. Uh, Mary, you've got two companies, and then Travis, you've got a company that I mean we're going to talk about. Hopefully all three. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Uh so we were we're on the podcast and uh we're we're
1: joking around and the joke was, Oh, you're the celebrity husband. And I was like, Well, yeah, I'm just like riding the coattails of my wife. Like uh <laughs> she gets invited to all these dinners and you know, openings of restaurants and uh hotels and stuff around town. And I'm just riding the coattails. Then that turned into, well, you're celebrity anesthesia. And then that just continued to snowball and uh and then when my partner and I were trying to decide what we were going to name the company, we just went with Celebrity Anesthesia. felt felt like the the natural fit.
2: I heard on the pod like he doesn't even refer to you as Travis.
1: <laughs> it's it's now just celebrity, it's like celeb. celebrity <laughs> anesthesia. Yeah, it's funny. I, I've lost my first name.
0: I don't even think I call you Travis. Yeah, yeah. You just Mayor, refer to him as celeb, Cele- yeah,
1: celebrity. <laughs> uh, uh,
2: Mayor, can you stop? Well, let's do this. Um, I know we. Kind of just rolled into it, but uh, Travis and Mary Osborne. Osborne? Osborne. 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 Yep. Um, do y'all want to? Can we just start off and just talk about where your journey started? Can we start with uh, my trendy therapist?
0: Yeah. So I started Your Trendy Therapist. It's a lifestyle blog here in Austin. Started it a little over six years ago. It all started actually when we were in North Carolina and we were hanging out with some friends there and one of the girls we were hanging out with, she had her blog and I was like, this is so cool that you have a platform that you can just share your life with other people. I want to do this.
2: This is 2015. Yeah, 2014. <laughs> yeah. The buildup was there. The
1: idea was there, and then um, and I was
0: like, "I'm going to do this." And then I kind of sat on it. And I was like, "But what? Like, people are going to think I'm weird. Like, no one has an Instagram. No one does blogs. Like, this is weird." He's like, "I'm going to buy you the domain. <laughs> We're going to do this."
1: So, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. I uh, one day I just went on GoDaddy. I bought the domain yourtrendytherapist.com, and I was like all right, at this point, like, and, and this is while I'm in anesthesia school. And so I'm, I'm getting my, uh, my graduate degree and Mare is out working, but she's also like every night she's like researching fashion and like talking about this and like keeps talking about, you know, wanting to start the blog and everything. And I was like, uh, uh-uh, we're doing this. You are doing this. I go, I buy it. We have like no money at the time, by the way. And I just like, you know, kicked her off the ledge and was like, okay, well we're in. And I signed up for the year subscription. So. So we're going <laughs> we're you're doing this and because I, was
0: like, I guess i'm doing that. <laughs>
1: it's already funded <laughs> yeah. and at the time i don't know it was like maybe 150 bucks for the for, <laughs> to hold the domain for the year and at the time i mean that was like that was a pretty solid amount of money for and us
0: And to this day i'll never forget my first blog post so i actually originally created it like to combine my love for fashion and also i work as an occupational therapist i was gonna
2: you gotta tell yeah. them, you know therapist <laughs> so, your ot so i was
0: like i'll do fashion and therapy and i'll just kind of like tackle the two and do some blog posts on therapy some blog posts on fashion and then my first blog post was a therapy one it was this long handled lotion applicator <laughs> i remember that yeah. <laughs> So yeah, so that's how it all started. And now I just kind of branched out and I do a little bit of everything now. So fashion therapy, travel, lifestyle, (laughs) just kind of sharing life.
2: Is it a lot? So I... When I looked at it, it's a lot on Instagram. Is that your, your main platform and then the blog, you still running that? Or is that is it the blog on Instagram?
0: Yes. Yeah, so I do mostly Instagram now. I do occasionally do a blog post. Um, Instagram and Pinterest are probably my main two platforms now.
2: Uh, what was it like the first couple posts? Just nerve wracking. Oh yeah, it's it's just so funny because like I
1: haven't really thought about this in a in a long yeah. time, and like I get the outsider perspective because you know I'm the one holding the camera a lot of times. So we can go into that later, but. um <laughs> Uh, you know the thirty thousand foot view of the whole thing. It's like I think about when we were first starting this, or when yeah. you first started this, and we were talking about you know going to take pictures and like what we what oh what should we do and what those first couple of photo sheets looked like compared oh, you to like I had
0: a friend from school too who was really into photography yeah, and he took all Andrew, the yeah he yeah. took some pictures I forgot about that that,
1: that kind of kicked it off yeah it's wild <laughs> it's come a long way and now I mean you're you never. You know, you you will never say it, but I think you, you've you grown the blog to like a huge, I mean, you've got a pretty massive following and some pretty solid influence.
2: Yeah, you've got a, a large following and I was going to ask what that's like. I mean, obviously doing the first <laughs> couple was kind of figuring it all out, but what is it like now? I mean,
0: yeah, it's just cool because I, I feel like Instagram is just one of those things where you can connect with just so many people brands friends and like this whole community they just become your friends like i I just i don't know i love it so much i just feel like it's such a cool platform
2: so are you to the point where it's like hey (laughs) people are like annoying you to post
0: i think people (laughs) is there pressure to post no because i think people know that i've kind of made it clear that this is not what i do full-time um you know, I do my therapy job, too. I'm very, very busy. So I've kind of made it clear that I like to do a little bit of everything. So I do my blog. I do home health OT. I work in a nursing home. I'm now launching this other company. <laughs> so I think I've kind of made those expectations clear early on, So, which is really cool. Yeah. But I think if I was a full-time blogger, then yes, I could definitely see that because I feel like consistency really is key for... And
1: you've, you've flirted and with the idea a couple of times of doing it full-time. Um, yeah. But... Yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean you know uh we've we've had these talks like several nights like yeah. should I just jump in you know all the way should I do this full time should I quit my 9 to 5 and it's like yeah if you want to i mean we'll we'll figure it out but
0: there was know. something always draw me back to my therapy job and so i was always like but i love helping other people and i love caring for my patients with dementia yeah. and then yeah, last year was really when the your dementia therapist came about. So that was really cool.
2: And we're going to talk about that because yeah. that's brand new. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So you, you you got to be, you don't have to be an OT, but you're kind of hanging on to the OT portion of it, not going fully into fashion yeah. because of what's coming, <laughs> um, which is... Not your dementia therapist, but your dementia therapist. Uh-huh, okay, your dementia therapist. Do <laughs> we want to talk about that now? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, sure. The stage is set. <laughs> <laughs>
0: so yeah, so I started my own consulting company. It's an occupational therapy dementia consulting company, and um, the main focus of the company is going to be with um, telehealth sessions with the caregiver. So those caregivers that are caring for their loved ones with dementia, whether that be them living directly with someone with dementia or they have their loved one in assisted living or a memory care unit, and just kind of helping them come up with creative ideas to increase quality of life, safety around the home, just implementing different strategies to really just improve their current situation. So I've always had this love for caring for those with dementia, and I just I just know that I can make such a difference. So I was like, why don't I just – create my own consulting company and just do this because it's really, at the end of the day, it's about impacting lives and helping other people, so.
2: So I work for a home health technology company. Um, there, is there a big difference between what you're doing when you're going into the home now and what you would be focusing on there? And is there a big gap? Like for example, when you're going out into a home now for, for home health, your goal is probably one thing versus the services that you're doing, which is probably something different, right? Focusing specifically on dementia patients.
0: Yeah. So, so I'm thinking back on, um, I used to specifically work in a memory care unit in Arizona, and it was all about just kind of increasing their quality of life, getting them more engaged in activities and just kind of helping the caregiver problem solve ways that they can just keep them more involved in. So with my job right now, I do see some patients with dementia, but I would say the majority of the people I'm seeing right now for home health, it's just for something else like cardiovascular rate, or just general falls, that kind of thing. Yeah. So.
1: And this will be, I think, you know, when you were talking to me about it, it's it's more or less, you know, going in, seeing the seeing the patient and how they're acting and how they're, you know. Uh, Th- what their daily lives look like with the family, with the caregiver. Yeah. And then giving the caregiver and those families new interventions and ways to, you know, better kind of navigate the next couple of months or the next yeah. year of that that person with dementia's life and and really find ways to like engage those people.
0: Yeah. Focusing on their routines and their past hobbies and jobs and just kind of coming up with a plan they can help execute just to help their quality of life.
2: Yeah. <laughs> So you guys are busy, so we're going to talk more about uh, celebrity therapists, or um, trendy therapists, Um, but before we do that, let's talk about the timing of 2015, where you started the blog, and then Travis, you've been working as a, and I can't say it, nurse?
1: nurse anesthetist. Thank you.
2: Yeah. I work with a nurse, and I told him I'm about to talk with an uh, anesthetist, and I can't say it. I've practiced, and I just can't do it. It's yeah. too hard to say. I used I,
0: to do that all the time too. I'm like, how I, do I say how do I say this.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I, I mean, it's uh, it's not the easiest word to say. Um, there's actually, funny that you brought that up. Uh, the uh American um, Association of Nurse Anesthetists actually just changed their name. There's a little bit of controversy behind it and everything, but they actually just changed the name to the American Association of Nurse Anesthesiology. Thank you. Just so that people, you know, it's a little bit easier to say. It's a little bit easier for people to understand. Um, we basically do the same thing as, uh, as an anesthesiologist. We just take a different path to get to that end point. Um, they go to med school. They um, do a uh, residency in anesthesia, and then they are anesthesiologist. We go to nursing school. We get a nursing degree. Once you are out there, of your nursing program. You have to work for at least a year and a half to two years minimum in ICU. Um, So you're doing uh, intensive care uh, patients and taking care of them. And then you have to apply to a graduate program. Then it's a minimum three-year doctorate of nursing practice uh, program where you are doing full-time anesthesia. So you do that over the three years. And then once you graduate, then you are a nurse anesthetist.
2: And you studied at Duke? Yep, which so, is why y'all were in the Carolinas.
1: Yep. Mm-hmm. So we, I, I went to, we both went to undergrad, and uh, Mary got her graduate degree at um, LSU. So we met in college, and uh, then we lived in New Orleans for a little bit, and then once she finished her grad program in in occupational therapy. I got into uh, Duke's uh, nurse anesthesia program. We moved out to Durham. We lived in Durham for three years. And then uh, as soon as I graduated in 2015, we moved out to Arizona, uh, lived in Scottsdale for a year, worked in a busy uh, heart and uh, basically thoracic anesthesia practice for a year, taking a ton of call. My average work week was like 70, 80 hours. I was getting my shit kicked in every (laughs) single night. And- um,
0: That was rough. it,
1: It was real rough uh there were there would be weeks where we would legitimately sleep in the same bed and i would not she would not see me awake because like i'd come home at like 11 o'clock after being in the or all day and then she'd already be asleep and then i'd get up at five and i'd leave before she was awake and i don't know we were probably nine months into that job or living in Scottsdale and we love Scottsdale and like Arizona. can't say enough good things. Great state, good place to live. And the practice that I was in was fantastic. I mean, the the guys that worked there, like strongest group of anesthesia providers I've ever worked with, uh, really good guys and, and girls that I worked with out there, but, um, just, it was hard work and it, it was, uh, it was busy. So one day I woke up and I just told Mary, I looked over at her. I was like, I don't know if I can do this. Like, I, this is not sustainable. Like, I think we, we need to, we need to figure out something else. So I was on call that weekend. We, I get called in. I end up doing a, like, I worked five days during the week. I worked both days of the weekend and I had another five days of work after that. And, uh, on that Sunday I was driving home at like four or five in the afternoon and I called mayor and I was like, can't do this. I'm calling somebody in Austin that I know and we're moving back to Austin and I'm going <laughs> going to get another job. It was so,
0: literally like a week later. <laughs> it was like a week later. <laughs> no,
1: it <wasn't>. ser- <laughs> seriously, it it all materialized yeah. really quickly. And like a week later, we made the decision to just pick up and move back to Austin, which is where I'm originally from.
2: And we're going to get into what happened after that. Yep. But at the time, you're still running the blog. Oh, yeah. yeah. And you're working in facilities. Are you doing home health?
0: So at that time, I was actually... Facilities. Yeah, I was in facilities, yeah. I had a travel job that I did at the beginning when we first moved to Arizona, and then that's when I worked in the memory care.
2: Like a traveling traveling therapist?
0: Yeah, initially. And then I took a full-time job at a memory care unit. And I remember like just settling in and I like, okay, we're going to move back to Texas. And I was like, no, this is my dream job.
2: So is that where you started to really have the, the passion behind dementia? Yes, okay. yes. And,
0: the,
1: and I, I, oh man, I felt so guilty because like <laughs> that, it, yeah. you really, like you had never been more fulfilled and like happier. <laughs> and every day she was just coming home like, i love this the people are great this uh the director at her place uh, uh leslie was like I love fantastic how knows her name. And, i talk about her all
0: the time <laughs> and
1: she was she was great and mary was just like in love with the entire situation and i'm just like coming home i'm taking um i'm taking omeprazole <laughs> i now have gerd like oh, yeah. <laughs> i am stressed out of control i can't sleep i'm just like I was skin and bones. I look like Gandhi walking around and it was not like, If we
0: move your acid reflux better be gone.
1: (laughs) And it actually actually cleared up like the second that we moved back to Austin.
2: So you're, you're getting like your dream job. And then Travis is like, we're out.
1: (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Um, But like, uh, (laughs) yeah, I mean like any good, you know, good team or like a good partner. I mean, she realized that like, I mean, I think, she could see that like i was i was getting worn down real quick like really fast and uh she was like okay whatever you want to do we'll just figure it out yeah but at the same time you were still running the blog and you were doing i mean we were taking photos in arizona and uh we were we were actually traveling a lot uh when we lived there so we were doing a lot of uh a lot of travel stuff too with your blog (gasps)
2: I was going to say, there's got to be a step because you don't just go from starting it to where you are now. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So I'm sure there were bits and pieces along the way, but is that where it started to pick up when you were out there in Phoenix?
0: Yeah, I think so. I just was constantly trying to like educate myself, like what can I do to figure out like, how, how are all these other bloggers like landing paid collabs and travel collabs and how are they doing this? I would take some courses, I would research a lot and yeah. You just kind of like learn how to pitch to brands and that was good. negotiate I- contracts. And it's kind of like you're wearing like 10 different hats when you're in the world of influencing. It's crazy.
2: Is it just figuring it out and talking to people and yes. maybe reading on because I doubt that there's a maybe there is an Instagram book. <laughs> how to grow your Instagram business or how to grow your blog.
0: It was really, I feel like the most beneficial is just finding other bloggers who are willing to kind of share with you like their journey and like what they're doing. You know, there are some people out there that are kind of secretive about it, but finding those core people that you connect with and that you can really just talk with and talk about the struggles with and talk about like, wh- how's it going for them and what they're doing. And then just kind of giving feedback to each other.
2: Yeah. Um. So I, was listening to Alex Snodgrass, who does the Defined Dish or either one of y'all familiar with her. She's a, she's based out of Dallas and she's got a a great cookbook. And I heard her talking about the same thing, which is, it's not a playbook to this.
0: Yeah, no. no.
1: (laughs) Which I think is just in general, you know, if you're an entrepreneur and you start your own business, there's no playbook at all. Um, you know, everybody, that at least I've met or we've met that has started their own business or does something on the side, you know, there is not necessarily a playbook for how to do that and how to be successful with that, right? Like, I just think about like real estate investing. Some people do it with multifamily homes. Some people do it with single family homes. Some people syndicate deals. Some people wholesale deals. Like, you yes. know, there's a million ways to get to the end point that you want to get to. Yeah. I think your your blog, perfect example.
0: Yeah.
2: So yeah, I'll move back to Austin This is where celebrity anesthesia is born. Or is it close? Close. <laughs> okay. So moved
1: back to Austin, and uh, I started working for this big box group uh, here in town, and uh, you know it was a good job. And uh, they're a, a national anesthesia company, and they're they're huge. And what what's been nice about having all of these different exposures to uh, to an- to the anesthesia business is it really helped form what me and my partner have created. So when I was out in Arizona. I was in like a medium size, uh, maybe like a big mom and pop shop base, uh, anesthesia business. They covered like probably four, or three big hospitals. And then they had multiple surgery center sites, which is like, I would say small to medium size anesthesia group. Then, uh, when I moved back to Austin, we had a hundred CRNAs and probably 50 docs that were working at the practice. So, I mean, that, that's a big anesthesia group. And then this got purchased by a national anesthesia group. So it was like, it was kind of like working for Walmart. Like, uh, it just felt like you were, you were a number, but it was okay. Um, was working there for a little bit. Uh, wasn't really, you know, uh, scratching my itch and, um, Somebody, you know, reached out to me and said, "Hey, I I know somebody that is looking for uh, someone to kind of run and work at a surgery center here in Austin doing plastics." It's like, all right, I'm into that. Um, let's let's chat. So, I I met with them, and uh, that's where I got my next job. And I was working for this lady who uh, has a surgery center, and I worked there for a little while. And, uh, you know, I we had very fundamental views on, on business and how to run a business, how to treat people, how to manage contracts, how to manage clients. And, um, I just felt like I wasn't given the opportunity, uh, to really succeed and use my skills and what I bring to the table. Um, so worked there for, uh, basically four years and, uh, made some great connections, made uh, kind of a, a name, uh, you know, a little bit of a name for myself in the industry. Got your name out there. Got my name out there a little bit. And, uh, and yeah, uh, quarantine happened COVID. Um, so this is, I guess, you know, two years ago, um, which I can't believe it's been two years since everything kind of broke or a year and a half,
2: right? Yeah. Year and a half. Yeah.
1: Yeah. March,
2: March of of last year. Yeah. So, um, (laughs) (laughs) Oh well, yeah! <laughs> so, uh, there are times when I'm thinking this is still 2020. <laughs> since everybody's going back, I got a buddy in Canada that said he's going on lockdown. Yeah, it's twilight zone. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, well, so you know, 20.
1: So I guess that would be what 2019,
0: or
2: was that 2020? No. with COVID
0: yeah 2020
1: oh okay. <laughs> yeah sorry all my years are messed I, up my, no
2: I, I benchmark March 2020 is COVID lockdown yes. okay yes, perfect
0: me too, so right when January
1: of 2020 20. we decide that we're going to go on a ski trip
0: yeah
1: <laughs> and uh during that ski trip it was like the very end of January Mary has a traumatic accident on the ski hill breaks yeah. her leg tibial plateau fracture uh right be- right below her knee avulses her ACL off the bone like not good. We pack her back up, we fly back to Austin, she ends up having surgery a week later, terrible, you know, recovery process, rehab for like a year. I mean, it was just it was a mess and that was its own insane hurdle during lockdown. During Well, right, happened right as we it happened right before surgery happened right before everything broke and this was when like things in china were starting to kind of erupt and they went into lockdown we started hearing about in wuhan they're having all these problems and then they're building this like massive hospital there to house all these people i'm like we're i'm kind of monitoring the news man this is wild and then like literally six weeks later we're in lockdown, she's starting to recover. She just gets her crutches. Or she just moves to one crutch at that time.
2: Yeah. And yeah, it was, it was a mess. I was like, finally and
0: ready to get back out. I was, gonna, I was like, literally was locked terrible. up in the house. Like, yeah. Uh, I'm ready to get out. Poop.
2: Like, no, legally, you, yeah. can't, or whatever. you can't leave yeah. the house.
0: Now you can't <laughs> leave like, the house. No.
1: <laughs> so, um, so that happens. And then uh, COVID starts and they postpone all elective surgeries in Austin in the whole state of Texas. Right. So I'm basically off for uh, for six weeks or four and a half, five weeks, whatever. And at the time, uh, my partner, his name's Alex, uh, and we went to uh, Duke together and uh, we were classmates and we have stayed in contact this entire time. Sorry, I know I'm jumping around a lot, but we've stayed in contact uh, this entire time uh, since 2015, since we got out of school. and he is very similar to me. Like we both are kind of business savvy. We want to do something else outside of just putting people to sleep in the OR every day. We feel like we both have this bigger purpose. So we kind of tried our hand at everything uh, over (laughs) the past five years up to that point. We started a shorts company, athletic shorts company that did not work out. We designed a yoga um a yoga mat holder that doubled as a foam roller had this strap it was like super- you stick
2: it in the foam roller yeah, it was, and yeah it was i can see a use was, for that
1: dude yeah, it was sick and uh anyway probably we, hard
0: to source during covid yeah is so, what i would well, imagine
1: th- that was actually in 2018 17 something oh, yeah. like that they've been so, coming
0: up with ideas for like yeah, years we've, we've been doing this for a while now
1: and um And then we talked about like doing some like lending stuff with uh, real estate and whatever. We've tried like five different things Mm -hmm. and it just didn't stick. And and finally, like around this time, like me and Alex are still talking like pretty regularly. And uh, we're like, dude, we're idiots. Like we're sitting here this entire time trying to reinvent the wheel in industries that we have no exposure to. We both know anesthesia inside and out we've both worked for huge companies, small companies, one person. We've done locums. We've worked 1099. Like, why don't we just start our own anesthesia group and do this the right way? It was like, we're both business savvy. Why don't we exploit this business that like we know inside and out? Like, let's use our skills that we've developed. So, the ball starts kind of rolling, wheels are turning a little bit. And then all of a sudden, like kind of out of thin air, somebody that I have here in Austin is a, a surgery center developer. He hits me up out of the blue and is like, dude, these guys are developing the surgery center um out in West Austin. Um, it's like it's gonna be four or five ORs. Um, would you guys want to do the would you want to do the anesthesia? Um, we it would be like a salary position, whatever. And I was like, no, but we're more than happy to uh, submit an offer um, and to, you know, put in a bid for as an, a real anesthesia group, not have you guys just bill for us, but bill our own cases and everything. It's like, okay, let's do it. So Alex and I get to work like basically the next day because he's setting everything up setting and everything it up, and uh, he is in, uh, he's in lockdown too. So their, their cases are all stopped. So literally we just like in two or three weeks, we develop like, a huge proposal. Um, this big PowerPoint presentation, we put everything together. We start an LLC. We like get the ball rolling. Like we're, we're, we're moving forward. Now we're having conversations with the owners of the surgery center. We're doing zoom meetings with these guys. And like, I still have my regular job and like Alex does too, but we're doing all this in the background. And we're like, man, if this happens, we'll just quit our jobs tomorrow and just like make this work. So long story short, they submit, they, I guess, uh, get bids from, you know, uh, multiple companies, big and small, um, all from like, you know, Texas. And um, at the end of the day, it's between us and this like massive national group that are like actually vying for the contract. It's so, like, we made it to the final two. And I remember after we get off this, uh, this phone call with them, me and Alex were talking, I was like, dude, we're onto something. It's like, we're sitting down and this company is like, does a hundred plus million dollars in revenue. Like we're in the final with them and we haven't even done our first anesthetic, man. Like this is nuts. So (laughs) after that, uh, long story short, we end up not getting that contract, which ended up being a blessing in disguise. Um, but it got the ball rolling and it gave us, you know, the confidence we needed to just like step out of our regular jobs and be like, dude, we'll bootstrap this and, uh, and make it work. And then we started our business and uh, we just founded it on a couple of core principles that we believe in. And then we got everything going. What month was that Or last year? <sighs> that kind of all- uh, Ish? Yeah, probably August, Okay, September. So you started in august it's your full-time gig right now yeah so um i was still working my regular job and then um i put in my notice officially um we picked up a a contract our first contract that we actually landed was a surgery center for a plastic surgery group in chicago my partner lives in chicago and uh, he was planning to move down here to austin and help me get everything going down here and uh, all of a sudden he was like dude I really like the this group of surgeons that I've been working with up here and they like me and they, they want me to take over. And I was like, well, let's do it. I was like, I'll help you like put everything together and like let's just do the same thing and we'll get it going up there and I'll see if I can get some stuff going down here we get that contract. He's like, "Okay, I'm going to stay up in Chicago." So he stays in Chicago. Guess I'm not moving. Yeah. He he's not moving at that point. Stays up in Chicago, starts that. Um we hire our first couple of contractors up there to to start working. Down here, I start kind of piecemealing some uh some business here and there and getting some people and then all of a sudden a uh a GI center in Michigan reaches out to us. So now we're in Michigan. And then a couple of dentists from Michigan start reaching out. Now we're in Michigan even more. Now another surgeon reaches out in Chicago. We're now in, in Chicago again. And now a couple more people in Austin start reaching out and like, Hey, can you do this? Can you cover like, Hey, so all of a sudden we've got three States. We opened the doors January one of this year. Uh, me and Alex officially left our other gigs, um, in December of last year and we look up and it's March and we're in three States and like business is starting to boom a little bit. And like, I feel like I'm just drinking through a fire hose, man. It was, (laughs) yeah, well,
2: I I don't know anything about the business of anesthesia, but I do know the, the financial part of home health agencies and hospice agencies. And it's not always straightforward. Correct. Like what was it like learning that part of it? Um, well, and to, contracts, and I don't know, yeah, like there's LPNs and LVNs in home health I and mean, in nursing in general. So are there different state so regulations that you have to every, deal with?
1: Every state has different Okay. Uh, rules for CRNAs, which makes things, which just muddies the water even more. Right. And uh, a uh, nurse anesthetist is a CRNA, a certified registered nurse anesthetist. So just. Uh,
2: I'm going to start using
1: that. There you <laughs> go. Thank you. It's, it's easier. Yeah. So uh, every state has their own, you know, CRNA rules and, uh, and laws. So that was a little bit difficult every state you have to be, you know, you have to have a different LLC or be working as a foreign entity in that state. So you got to register for that. So now we've got, you know, two LLCs We're registered as a foreign agent in Illinois. We're like, we're just like learning all these things. And the first time, you know, hundred percent, man, we, we totally shit the bed and we used our texas pllc up in michigan to get the ball rolling with these insurance contracts and you got, know, some,
2: got some rejected claims there
1: well, we, we plopped down like you know seven thousand dollars to like start getting a network up there and like start moving the ball forward with those insurance contracts and we're just not getting anything back and uh covid was slowing everything down so they uh they hit us back and they're like dude, you can't have a PLLC up in here or up in uh, Michigan uh, unless it's owned 50% by a physician. Like, okay, so then we've got to figure out another way to do this. It was just, it was a nightmare. But, you know, some of those costly mistakes up front are what kind of paved the way and and made us learn real quick. And I'm a huge believer in the more expensive the mistake, the more you learn from that mistake.
2: Um expensive experience is yes. is very, very valuable. Yes, absolutely. So are y'all sinking up at night and just banging your heads together about contracts and how to grow and the <laughs> business development side of it? I mean, what is that like at your house? I mean, it sounds like a chaotic house. You during, got multiple during businesses.
1: First, during the first couple of months of this pa- of this year of twenty twenty one, when my business was starting, I mean Mayor was like, are you ever going to get off the phone? Like I was literally on the phone from like six in the morning uh, because we had stuff in Michigan. So like, you know, they're on Eastern time. So I'm on the phone at like 637 in the morning and then we'd have contractors that we were talking to or interviewing about to bring on and they would have to get off work for us to talk to them because they had regular jobs before they came on with us so now i'm on the phone at 7 p.m at night interviewing these people and then i'm talking to alex i'm talking to alex more than i'm talking to mary some days (laughs) it was out of control and then in the meantime she's running her blog she's still seeing home health patients she's still laying the groundwork for like your dementia therapist and and getting her, her ducks in a row i mean we're like two ships in the night sometimes at our <laughs> all, house.
2: All phone interaction and a lot of digital. Yes, yeah. yes,
0: yes. That was, a, that was a little rough.
2: It part. was a rough. It was a rough, <laughs> rough patch yeah.
1: for for a little while there. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, it was, it was nuts.
0: Talk a little bit about. I want. Okay, so sorry. I want to talk about this. The mission of your company too, because I think it's so cool, like how y'all treat you as employees and. Yeah, yeah you,
1: you were talking about the yeah. the pillars or- yeah. I, I mean, we, we just, you know, Alex and I kind of sat down and we're like, you know, there are things that people are doing well and there's things that we don't think people are doing well in the anesthesia business world. And, you know, we really, like our, our big thing is we need to be passing the money on to the people that are making the money for us, right? So our frontline workers or our actual CRNA contractors that are working, at the bedside and actually keeping patients asleep and, and making sure they're safe and delivering the anesthetics, they need to be getting paid, you know, the most we can possibly pay them while we're, you know, while we still have money to, to operate the business and, and we're still making some money. But, um, you know, we just saw that a lot of companies around the country, uh, especially these national companies, they have the highest paying and Insurance is so ass backwards. Don't even get me started there. But um, they have the highest negotiated rates with these insurance companies, so they are making more than these smaller companies. But they're not. But they're paying their employees the least. So somebody's making that money, and that's going to you know the C suite. um, and it's going to bit more business development and their shareholders for these nationally, you know, publicly traded companies. So we're like, dude, let's not do that. Let's try to give, a, let's try to be at least at the, um, the highest, uh, you know, pay rate that we possibly can in the areas that we're, that we're serving. So we're doing that, um all of our, uh, at this point, you know, all of our people are contractors. So we bring them in. We, if they have questions about how to negotiate or how to operate in a 1099 space and how to have their own LLC and stuff, we kind of help them, you know, or give them tips and advice on how to put that together. And that's
2: because you guys have already done, you you were doing it for years, right? Yep. So
1: um, we'll, we'll put them in touch with our accountants. We'll, we'll give them resources. Uh, We'll talk to them about, Hey, you know, when you t- when you look at your total compensation package at one of these W-2 jobs, like really, we're gonna be paying you more than that, and you can you can find insurance for for less than that, and there are ways to navigate this to to be advantageous for you. Really, just trying to like empower our contractors and empower our providers to be great providers. Number one, and number two, just we want them to be. Uh, to, to advocate for our business as well. And like, nobody's going to fight more for your business than if they're being well taken care of and they're making a lot of money, right? Yeah. We want to all win. Yeah, yeah. We have this, I love that. Yeah, I we just, that's so cool. we have this idea that, you know, rising tides raise all ships. So if everybody's doing, or if we're doing well, everybody's doing well.
2: Mary, <laughs> can you talk to us more? Will you talk to us more about the the management of your business? Yeah, So you're a trendy therapist. I know you've got, you're a dementia therapist, but what kind of work, what's the level of work that goes into managing a platform like that?
0: It's so funny because I feel like a lot of people are just like, oh, they're an Instagram influencer. All they have to do is just post a picture and call it a day. And I'm like, oh gosh, if y'all only knew the work that goes behind a photo.
2: I can the, attest, the photo I can and even the, the copyright, the like noticing the copyright of like what you have to type out and making yes. sure it's clear and concise.
0: The edits, the caption, the the photographer over here (laughs) celebrity (laughs) anesthesia he's such a good sport he takes all my photos
1: (laughs) just trying to reduce our adapt you know we've kind of
0: got a system now he's like okay you get five minutes let's go yeah
1: we've gotten it down to a system in the (laughs) beginning it was like these photo shoots would take like an hour I'm like beating my head against the wall now i'm like all right you got 10 minutes per outfit bring four outfits in the car we're not doing this shit past noon
0: But yeah, it's definitely a lot more work than just posting a photo on Instagram. So I feel like you have to really, whenever you're working with brands in particular, you kind of have to research the brand, see what their aesthetic is like, you know, take that into consideration whenever you are creating content for that brand and producing a photo and producing a caption and just um. And
1: they also have like certain metrics and stuff and you've got to hit those and you've got to do what- they say.
0: Yeah. And sometimes, you know, it's not so like you have to get your content approved beforehand, which is, I would say 75% of the time they want you to send in your photo and your caption, and then they'll kind of make edits as necessary. (laughs) So
2: Okay. So you've got a a contact at the business that you're working with or promoting Mm -hmm. you. You're just going back and forth with that, that rep. They give you the okay, then you can post it.
0: Yes. I was unaware (laughs) of that. Yeah. And then sometimes the too, yeah, just well, like and- like keeping that conversation with the brand, it's just like follow up. So it's it's a lot of emails back and forth. And yeah. sometimes like you'll get the contract with the brand, and then it'll be two months later, and you still <laughs> you're like, okay, wait, can you approve this content? So it's just making sure that you have a system in place to follow up with the brands that you are collaborating with too. So it's a lot of business so, development. I mean, yes, yeah. and then just follow reading. Up. Uh, along with like creating content for the brand like y- negotiating contracts is a big thing too before yeah. even taking that contract so hopefully you will just... share the same lawyer to like redline <laughs> your contracts <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: what is that like what was the first can you talk about getting the first couple contracts maybe yeah. the outreach or do they reach out to you Like, how does the business of Instagram work or how has it worked for you?
0: I feel like back in the day, I'm trying to think back, gosh, because this has been so long, but I feel like um, back in the day before like paid contracts were even a thing and just when brands would reach out, hey, do you want to try my product? And I'm like, "Traff, this brand is reaching out. They want me to try their product for free. This is so cool. I'll get a free product in the mail. And I was so excited.
1: Dude, we were Beverly (laughs) hillbillies for a hot minute. (laughs) Straight up, we were at our house and I remember Mary being like, oh my God, this company is going to send me <laughs> outfits to take pictures in. And I was like, no way. Like not even a coupon code. Like they're just going to send me coupon. Code? She's like,
0: yes. You will still, I still get emails being like, okay, be an ambassador for us. You'll get 10% off. And I'm like, <laughs> she's okay, too, no.
1: <laughs> too highfalutin for that now. Well,
2: but, uh, <laughs> I don't want to make you guys, you don't feel too bad. I even like pay Stitch Fix to send me a box and there I feel go. like a celebrity <laughs> when it arrives and I'm paying for
0: it. I love that. I love that. That's great. Stitch you know, Fix is good. <laughs> yeah, Stitch,
1: Fizz, Stitch know, Fix. Awesome. Stitch Fix is I know, that's a tongue like... twister. It's like an esthetist. <laughs> nah, no, it's way easier than an esthetist. Was, that was a good I hit one. It. Um, uh, but yeah, I, I think in the beginning it was a lot of a lot of free merch in and, yeah. and exchange for a post or something. Yeah. And then, do you and remember your first paid collab?
0: I do not. I shouldn't look back to see because I don't even remember like what... Man, <laughs> now I'm curious. I'm gonna go back. I, and I see do
1: whatever's... remember when, like, one of the first ones happened. You were just like, I mean, we we were we were pumped.
0: Yeah, because I was just like, I had no idea at the time. I was like, wait a second, I can get paid to do what I love. Like. This is so cool. So then you start getting into like, okay, I was like, okay, well, I need a media kit, which is this basically a resume, I guess you could say, like a yeah. digital resume for lifestyle bloggers. So
2: so you build it out and then you can just blast that yeah, out to different I businesses. Yeah, and just to okay. brands.
0: Yeah. So that's what it, I do whenever they-
1: like a fee schedule. So yeah. she yeah. sends it out. It's got like a list of things
0: that she offers. Yeah. And then it has like, and then I have a rate card with just like my different rates per post and everything. But So
2: a lot of it is you- You building the following and then protecting yourself and saying, listen, I'd love to post for you, but here's just kind of what I would expect. Yeah. And you give them some options, Mm I assume. Yes. Okay.
0: (laughs) And I make sure too to do my research on the brand, make sure I love the product. I always tell them I want to try out the product first. I'm not going to guarantee like any posts. So, so yeah. So (laughs) I feel like there's a lot that goes into.
1: What, what I think is so cool, like you know, stepping back and again, kind of having that 30,000 foot perspective of, of this, because it's not my business per se, is that watching the business development of, of her and that business itself happen over time. I mean, it's, it's been so cool to see where it started to where it's gotten to. And then not only that, but you have picked up so many things along the way with like, you know, contract negotiations and I'll hear you on the phone with some of these people or like emailing back and forth. I'm like, it really is cool to see. I mean, you're running a legit, like serious business. It is
0: so cool. I know. I'm just so thankful to have a platform where I can connect with people, connect with brands and just like, just share what I love and partner with brands that I literally once dreamed of partnering with like Fabletics. I'm like, wait a second.
2: I mean the the that's effort so cool. too of of what goes into a post. Yeah. But I mean you got to try everything on too. I mean how much <laughs> you know you're talking about the the, uh, the shoots would take an hour. I mean that's got to be a lot of work too of actually going through and figuring out hey this brand sent me this.
0: Yeah.
2: I don't like it. Yeah. I'm not gonna post. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes you,
1: I mean you've had to have that hard conversation with brands but like hey yeah. that didn't look good on me that didn't fit like we need to figure something else out and yeah again more negotiating, more talking back and forth. But I think it's kind of set the stage for for where you're at now.
0: Yeah.
2: So that's where you're at now. Where do you think it's going? What are you trying to do the next, you know, 24, 12, 24 months?
0: Yeah. So I love my blog. I love getting to share just life with people, you know. And But at the end of the day, I was like, you know, I am meant to do something bigger in this world. I am meant to impact more lives and really just – fulfill that passion of mine for helping those with dementia. So during COVID, (laughs) I saw, so I think it was whenever the lockdown started and I was going to some facilities um, for home health. So for home health, I also go to some assisted living facilities, memory care units. um, And there's a few places in Austin that I do that for. And during the lockdown specifically, I could see this just decline in everyone not even from having COVID per se but just the effects of social isolation on those with dementia and I'm like oh my gosh like there's so much more we can be doing like I just really want to make a change in the world and I want to make an impact and I think one day we just sat down and I was talking to you about um just how much I love helping those with dementia. And I was like, what if I created my own consulting company? Because I feel like there's this gap where there's not a lot of education for the caregivers of those with dementia. Because for home health specifically, sorry, I'm kind of jumping around, but I spend a lot of my outside time just communicating with the family members of the patients that I do have with dementia, giving them tips, giving them resources, and just spending hours on the phone <laughs> like Trump can tell you he's like are you still on the phone with that yes. <laughs> patient's daughter and i'm like yeah i'm like i'm just trying to help like really problem solve the situation go through every single little detail just to make sure that they can provide whatever <laughs> they need to help them out like this is just you know especially during COVID was such a hard time family members couldn't even get in the building so it was really up to me to really make that <laughs> difference in uh, their lives
2: it's my my grandpa had dementia. I don't know what you ultimately die from when you have dementia. I think you could probably tell me. But <laughs> um, there was a, a nurse that gave me a copy of a book called The 96-Hour Day. Mm-hmm. It was just describing what it's like to live with a, a patient that just, or a, a family member that just can't remember. Yeah. Yeah. It's exhausting. Yeah, yeah. Um, And it takes so much time and effort.
0: Yeah,
2: Can I ask you about one of the things that I saw on, or that you talked about, okay. was the kit. So you're putting together activity kits?
0: Oh, yes. Yeah. So that's another... Not the media kit. Oh, not the media <laughs> kit. <laughs> so another thing. So with my Your Dementia Therapist Company, so it's a telehealth consulting company focused mainly um, on sessions with the caregivers just to kind of help them navigate through dementia with their loved one. And also um, with the consulting sessions, I also offer an add-on option for a customized activity box. So This is like a curated box filled with four to six items just specific to the person living with dementia, just to kind of really help them engage in just different activities. So they're not just sitting in front of the TV and not just (laughs) not engaging in anything. You know, we want to keep them engaged and just prevent the decline as much as we can. I mean, I I know it's a progressive condition, but you know, we need to just keep that quality of life. And that being said, you know, I'll take into consideration just their hobbies, their job from the past, just things that they like to do. And it's just really cool because I've kind of implemented this in some of the memory cares that I've worked in before. And it's just so cool to see how activities really have an effect on they, those living with dementia. I It mean,
1: brings them back to life. It bring, you see yes. like an, an old version of, of these people. And
0: yeah, that's yeah, cool. And you just, know, that
2: is unique to be able to consult but then also the deli- like. Practically, here's what you should do on top of me just telling you what you should yeah. do. These are activities. I mean, that is a really unique.
0: Yeah, and with this way too, I feel like this kind of gives that the caregiver an option for me to actually curate this box to where they don't have to go out and buy all these supplies that I'm telling them about. I mean, I can just create it myself and create it specifically for that person. And I'll never forget. Even just like a, a few weeks ago, I brought some of the items into this assisted living that I go to, and one of them was just um, the sensory little play dog and then also this um, baby doll and someone that I wasn't even working with some resident that was in the facility. She comes to the table and I know this, this um, person really well worked with her in the past, but she comes up to the table and this person doesn't communicate a lot at all. And she just picks up the baby doll and she's like, aren't you the cutest little thing I've ever seen? And my heart just melts when I see that because it just, it, you know, it helps them with conversation, and it sparks memories, and it's just such a great thing to just see how this can just.
2: Help. They're they're back. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah.
2: I, I remember that. My my grandpa would recount things from World War Two. Yeah. Where we, you know, lunch was a forgotten thing, and that yeah. was an hour ago. Yeah. So yeah. it's amazing to see him just light back up like that. Yeah. It's uh, it. I it's, mean, there's such
1: a huge need for this, and. When she was when we we're you know she was kicking the idea around with me with the consulting stuff and with the box um, I, I just told her I was like look mayor you're doing your you're doing your actual home health job right now if you were getting paid an hourly rate instead of like per visit, you would literally be making $10 an hour right now because you are going out, you're seeing these patients all day, and then she would be on the phone from like 4 p.m. until like nine o'clock at night with all these families. And these people couldn't go into the assisted living centers, they couldn't get into these AL facility or these uh, IL facilities, so she is literally giving the patients, the families updates. She's telling them, you know, this is what I would do if I were you. This is like she's giving them advice. She's talking to them about stuff. She's kind of game planning, and then she's telling me about thinking about the consulting thing. And I was like, there's clearly a need. Like you're basically <laughs> and, doing this yeah, already. and
0: the feedback from the families, they're just like, you're so awesome. Like thank you so much. Like you've really, really helped me. And I'm like, wow. This is so cool to hear that. So,
2: and that's yeah. on top of what I assume is your documentation. <laughs> e- yes, exact exactly. N- another level. <laughs> that's another. Okay. And, and that was
1: completely outside of you know her fiduciary duties as an OT, taking care of that patient. She was just going above and beyond. And I was like, when you have that kind of passion and you're willing to like do that outside of, you know, out off the playing field, then like you know that 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 it's something that means a lot to you.
0: Yeah.
2: Is there a world in which y'all's businesses could sync up? <laughs> you
0: have know, thought about that before, and I'm like, no. no. I i,
2: I, well, I partnering with, with physicians, and then in some kind of capacity, partnering up with home health agencies, which gets referrals from physicians. I mean, there's there's a way. <laughs> there there may be a Your creative way just
1: to do so something. From uh, my, it's like ours like is just surgery. you know with yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know how many patients with dementia need a BBL, but yeah. um, <laughs> no. Uh, I, I, I don't think uh, anesthesia and, uh, and dementia care go hand in hand per se, but um, it would definitely be cool to, you know, put on our website or uh, to even do like a guest post on her Your Dementia Therapist website about like, you know, how anesthesia affects those with dementia and Alzheimer's because yeah. that's, that's a very real thing too and how patients kind of come out of that. So, yeah. I mean, but it's definitely. it's just
0: been so cool because you've been so inspiring to me because you starting your own business with the celebrity anesthesia thing. And then it's just like really giving me the confidence <laughs> to do this, and then just kind of like brainstorming together like just different company ideas and everything. So yeah. it's think... just cool to see how how it's all going. And well, thanks. <laughs> well, I mean
2: it's all your support. You, you... What as entrepreneurs, I'll ask you both individually, what has been the hardest, what has been the biggest obstacle that you've had to overcome the last year? Um, we didn't talk about this question. We didn't talk about any of this. I know this um, is off the
1: cuff. No, I honestly, I would say, uh, just kind of that fear of, you know, instead of, uh, I, I've always been super calculated with like risks that I've taken um, in life. And like, you know, I mean, you can look at my profession. Like I I knew what I wanted to do when I was in high school. I knew I wanted to be- Well, a and you got to
2: calculate how much to give somebody, right? Or yeah, else- <laughs> Exactly, right?
1: So, you know, I knew what I wanted to do as a job. Um, my job is, is super safe when it comes to like taking risks uh, as far as like a business risk, right? Like I know what I'm going to make each year. I know that like with that degree, I can do this job. Um, so I just hadn't hadn't ever done something where I kind of just stuck my neck out there and was like, Let's do it. And uh with this, it was kind of rip the dip band-aid off and just jump into the deep end and um you know it was tough. man. like the first couple of months, like we, you know, my partner and I really believed in this and, uh, we didn't take a paycheck for the first six months of the year. And we put all, we put all of our own money into this business and paying our contractors before we paid ourselves. And, uh, and I think it was just sticking to, that idea that like if we keep the faith and if we keep putting one foot in front of the other and we keep doing the right thing every single day and we just keep doing something to get towards our end goal or our next big goal, like we're making a step in the positive direction. And I think it was just just that, just kind of keeping the faith has been the hardest part. Yeah. Yeah. What about you, Mary?
0: Oh, what's been the hardest part? <laughs> I would say <laughs> – Hmm. For those first six months of your company, just feeling like all the pressure, like I had to, you know, like I couldn't really start my stuff or I felt like I couldn't start your dementia therapist. Like I had all these ideas for it, but I was like, okay, I have to wait till like Trav has a paycheck for this because I was like kind of keeping us we, afloat we, for a little we, bit. We was
1: broke as a joke. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so yeah, so I would say that I mean, the whole process itself is really a difficult one. And it's not for everyone. Like entrepreneurship is definitely worth exploring. I feel like at the end of the day, it's like if you are in a situation to where you feel like you have more to give people in life, and you have a bigger vision, and you're not happy with your nine to five, then get out of it and <laughs> come yeah. up with something to where you can.
2: It's really yeah. neat to talk to y'all not just as entrepreneurs, but. You guys had a passion and then you made it into what you want to do for the for your yeah. job and for your business which is what y'all both have two separate businesses but yeah y'all have enjoyed it can you give us uh an idea well for those of you who don't know where to find you uh it's not too hard but why don't you plug we've got three businesses that we're talking about <laughs> yeah how do we find you um so you can find me at celebrity
1: anesthesia um, on Instagram. Um, and then our website is www.celebrity-anesthesia.com.
0: And you can find me on Instagram at your trendy therapist. And then my new company is called your dementia therapist, which is also on Instagram, or you can head to my website that will have more information. It's www.yourdementiatherapist.com.
2: All right, y'all. Awesome. Thanks Thanks again so much again, man. That
1: was awesome. Enjoyed it.
2: Yeah. Thank you.